Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to another jam-packed Jamstack episode. This is That's My Jamstack, the podcast where we ask the best questions since sliced bread. What is your jam in the Jamstack? I'm your host, Brian Robinson, and this week we have a very special guest. I'm pleased to introduce the winner of the Jamstack Community Creator Award from Jamstack Conf 2021, Salma Alam Naylor. Salma helps developers build stuff, learn things, and love what they do. She does that via her Twitch streams, YouTube channel, and blog. One quick update for the episode, we recorded this prior to Salma joining the Netlify team. So while we mentioned Contentful in various parts of the episode, Salma is now on the DX team at Netlify. All right, Salma. Well, thanks for joining us on the show today. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do for work? What do you do for fun? I am currently um, a developer advocate for Contentful. Um, I've also got like kind of other stuff that I do. So uh, you might know me on the internet as White Panther, and I help developers build stuff, learn things, and love what they do. I write uh, educational blog posts about web development. I do a lot of live streaming on Twitch. I make YouTube content and I'm an all round Jamstack enthusiast, to be honest. Um, for fun. I mean, I kind of do that for fun as well. But if you want to know about non-web dev stuff, um, I actually love interior design and um, I'm moving in uh, the next like two months. Uh, so hopefully when people hear this, I would have actually finally moved house. So I can't wait to get my hands stuck in uh, to, to that little project. Um, I also like to play cerebral puzzle games with my husband uh, on uh, on a computer. Most recently, a game called Superliminal, which mm. is all about like perspective and maths and stuff. It's very good. I'm going I'm to jump in real fast. I have a, I have a six-year-old uh, and we were playing Superliminal together because I knew nothing about it. And I was like, this is super fun. And like, we were having a good time. He thought it was really cool. And then it gets creepy. I didn't expect <laughs> it to get creepy, but it gets super creepy. And he was like, I don't want to play this game anymore, daddy. I'm like, <laughs> we never have to play it again. You're fine. Yeah, it was a good game. It was a good game. I remember this one bit that um, uh, when you get on like a roof and there's the moon, and we were like on the roof thinking this, you have to, we have to get above the roof because of the weird glitch thing when you turn the light on and off. Um, but it wasn't, it was just an Easter egg. It wasn't a thing. Um, it was fun. And I'm, I'm also, I, you know, my background is in music. I did a music degree. I was a music teacher. I was a musician. So I still try to play music for fun with my family. And I do want to get back into making music, actually. I miss that a lot. Um, but so when I move into my new house, I'll have a proper studio, uh, purposely for the music. So I think I'm, I'm looking forward to that a lot. That's amazing. So what, what's your, um, instrument of choice or musical talent of choice, I suppose? So when I was growing up and, uh, when I was a teacher, my main instruments were piano and flute, but, and singing. Uh, but I also, uh, taught kids how to play in rock bands for a few years. So uh, I was a bass player. I don't really do much bass now. Um, and I did some guitar and played some drums and stuff. But uh, making music now, I really like making electronic music mainly. Um, I was also a musical comedian for a few years. Uh, <laughs> uh, An interesting touring, life. Touring the UK, um, singing w- weirdly satirical British political songs. Uh, we'd get cancelled now, so you can't hear any of it. 
Out of curiosity, um, is there any comedy in Britain that's not satirical political comedy? <laughs> I feel like what everything kind of falls under yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty much. Uh, there's a lot to satirize in the British political system, but I guess that's for another podcast. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah, let's let's maybe not talk about about that. Let's let's dig into the jam sack. You you yeah. said that you are a jam sack enthusiast. So, what was your entry point into this? ecosystem, philosophy, what have you? It was actually with Jekyll, the first static site generator many, many years ago. And um, that, that was the only one that existed, you know, like around 2015, 2016. Um, and I had no idea what I was doing, uh, but I was experimenting. I, I had really no idea that it was part of the Jamstack at the time. I was just building a website I had no idea that it was a static website and really what that meant, but I was building something with liquid templates that compiled into a website and I was hosting it on GitLab pages at the time, uh, not GitHub pages. Um, I was, cause I used GitLab for work. And so I kind mm -hmm. of naturally gravitated towards GitLab at that time. Um, but I guess the ecosystem sucked me in, um, I really don't know how I went from building my first Jekyll site to to where I am now. I, I have no idea how how this has happened or what made it happen. But clearly, the Jamstack is has a good thing going, right? Like it's fantastic. So, what were you doing right before you started playing with Jekyll? You, you were at some sort of company doing tech stuff. You mentioned you were you are using GitLab. So, what what was that like? Uh, so I did a variety of d different things before I ended up here. Um, I was working for some startups. I was working for a global e-commerce company uh, that was using like Java with a bespoke kind of um, e-commerce system with JSP front ends. Mm. I was also, um, before that, I was building a new e-commerce platform in a startup uh, that was JavaScript based. What were we even using? PHP. We're using PHP with JavaScript front end. Um, but it was a it was a plain JavaScript front end. It wasn't statically generated. It wasn't using a framework, anything like that. Um, after the global e-commerce company, I was actually working for another startup building a, a React Native app. So like my career actually had nothing to do with the Jamstack. It was all my side projects until my last job. I was working at an agency um, a product agency, and we built quite a lot of things in the team. And actually, we started gravitating towards Next.js for these quick, they were initially proofs of concept because Next.js was pretty young at the time. Um, but it ended up that Next.js was a really scalable front end with a lot of capability. So we normally had like a .NET backend and a, and a Next.js front end kind of thing with, with the API layer in the middle. Um, and that was really my... Uh, intro into the enterprise level, scalable, robust, we can build whatever we want with the Jamstack kind of thing. Gotcha. All right. So let's fast forward just a little bit. That was your last thing, right? How how today are you using the Jamstack philosophies professionally? I mean, obviously, Contentful is pretty, uh, pretty big in that world, but also personally with both your educational stuff and anything else you're doing on the side. So one of the biggest philosophies that I like to promote the Jamstack is like, just do it. Just just build something and get it live. Just build it. Learn some stuff while you do it. 
and and have a good time. Like I can try things out without having to overcommit to anything on the Jamstack. I, if I've got an idea for a website, a lot of the time I will get the idea, I will buy the domain, I will go on my Twitch stream for three hours and I will build it and release it in that three hours. Mm-hmm. And that is the joy of the Jamstack. And, and what I love about that as well is it's so accessible to developers because you don't have to overcommit or pay for anything at that stage of idea inception. Um, and so it's so accessible and it's so like in reach for so many people. Like for example, um, dot, take .NET. I don't want to like um, hate on .NET. It's great. It's a fantastic enterprise um, solution for enterprise products. But as a developer, as a front-end developer, even though the .NET comes with front-end and back-end stuff, what do I do when I've built an app? Like, how do I put it online? So like, I can just hook up a Jamstack hosting platform to my Git repository, do a Git push, and great, there it is. It's online on a, on a URL. I don't have to buy a domain even. It's just there. And it's, it's just so beautiful. And it's, it's, it really embodies the actual kind of agile kind of continuous delivery methodology as well. Every commit is a release. Every commit is an immutable release. So you can roll back. You can have a look at the history. You can, you have, you can just click in a UI in like Vercel or Netlify or GitLab. Just click, oh, look, that, that's what I made a week ago. I can compare that with what I've got now. And, and it scales. You don't need to have to worry about scaling. Uh, if you get like a big hit on your proof of concept or whatever. And, you know, it just enables developers to move fast, to try things out, to experiment and to have fun without all the nonsense that us developers have to deal with day in, day out. And it's just a joy. And I've learned so much. Like I never would have thought, like when I was building my like first website, maybe 10 10, 12 years ago, my first proper websites. I never would have thought that I would be utilizing CDNs at the edge and all of these different rendering methods, depending on the data that I needed to serve, auto-scaling, immutable deploys, Git integration, infrastructure, serverless functions, you know? It's like a whole ecosystem that lets you try stuff to see if it's going to work. And if it does work, you can go further and make it robust. Like one of one of my biggest um, slogans is also uh, build first, engineer later. Mm. And that I think is a really like core part of the Jamstack. Just get it live and see what happens. And, and you can get it live in any number of ways too, right? You can, if, if you're making a content driven thing, to begin with, you don't need a CMS, but yes. it, t- it takes like a few lines of code tweaked and your Next.js or your Levity, your whatever static site generator, right? Like just ingests from somewhere else and it's good to go. Yes. It's very exciting. It's very exciting. Like imagine, so if this has happened in the old, in the last like six years, since like 2015, when the Jamstack kind of first came about, like what's going to happen in the next six years and the next six years and the next six years. I actually did um, at the Contentful Fast Forward Conference at the beginning of November, I actually did um, the keynote with uh, Stefan Yudis about the last 10 years of web development and how Jamstack came about to solve the problems of old school um, monolith solutions where backend and frontend were divided, where everyone was reinventing the wheel the whole time. And the Jamstack has really come to like solve these problems where 
as a front-end developer, you don't need all this back-end nonsense anymore. You are and, and and because of that, it's like enabled developers. It's increased their skills. It's giving them the power. It's empowering developers to to build stuff that they couldn't have even dreamed of before. And I think that's really, really like wonderful for the future. Like I have a four-year-old and I can't wait to show him this stuff. Like mm-hmm. I, he he could put a website live that's just an HTML page and a JavaScript file potentially, you know, on the Jamstack when he's like eight years old, you know? And imagine us being able to do that when we were eight. <laughs> I, at like 14, I think I had my first website and it was like Microsoft front page built, like graphical UI. It was, mm, it was quite choice. Yeah, my, my six-year-old, I built him a website in a day. He he yeah. happened to have a piece of art that he brought home from school that instead of writing his name on it, uh, he had to write his his first first name and last initial because that was you know he had another another kid in his class with that name, and then he wrote .com at the end. And I said, I bet that domain is open, and it was. And like I threw yeah. it together, uploaded the artwork, and then he told me he's like, I want a like button, and I was like, I bet I could do that, but you have to do three pieces of art every week to, to make it so that I'll build that for you. And then like, I was able to walk him through what I'd done and he had no real understanding, but it was like, okay, I can, this is simple enough. I can show you. And it's yeah. Super low bar. (laughs) Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait for that. It's so empowering and it's so exciting to see what our children could make one day with how it's being innovated and, and the improvements and the, the things that are being, uh, done on the Jamstack. And how it kind of opens up into like the, the kind of natural open web platform. It's not a walled garden. It's not something that you have to buy into and it allowed, like I used to teach a journalism class on HTML and CSS and I was like, look, y'all. You can you can do this, and if you do this, you don't have to depend on these other platforms anymore. And like I, I would talk about the history of the web and how in the '90s it was a creator-focused space, and in the current state, in fact, like anything from like 2010 on, it's very consumer-based. And so it's like there's this dichotomy of the web, and the more people that can be creators, uh, the better. Yes. Yeah. So we've talked about Next.js some. Um, Obviously, you work at Contentful. Uh, we talked about the olden days of Jekyll and all that good stuff. Uh, what would you say is your current uh, jam in the Jamstack? What's your favorite product? Or maybe it's a philosophy or framework. What makes you love the Jamstack? It's, it sounds really nerdy. But what I like about the Jamstack is the different types of rendering that are available. <laughs> this is like, this is so ridiculous. But it's like, so... Obviously, I work for Contentful, right? And I'm dealing with data. Like, data comes from a CMS, but data is not all created equal. And so there are four types of rendering depending on the data, your data needs. Like, it's not just about, like, pages and posts and stuff. Like, there are some bits of data that are very granular. They might need to be more up-to-date than the others because, obviously, mainly Jamstack is static first, right? And so, but not everything can be static, Um, But not everything needs to be client-side. And so what the Jamstack has now is like these four types of rendering. So back in the old 
uh, old web days, everything was server-side rendered, right? You, you, your web request hit um, a server that went to the back end that uh, generated from all the logic a, an HTML document and gave it back to the client, right? So we've still got server-side rendering on the Jamstack, which I think right now is really great for um, personalization for things like e-commerce and, and other things because... Um, I especially talk a lot about using query params with get server-side props with Next.js for those kind of personalized experiences rather than just serving everything statically uh, to the same uh, as the same to everyone. Um, but then we've got the static. So the second one is static generation. So you've got a plain site, content site, nothing changes, nothing needs to update. It just serve it as quickly as you can statically to your visitors. Great. But now we've got some fancy stuff. There's um, incremental static regeneration, which is based on um, a cache validation strategy called stale while revalidate. And what this does, especially inside Next.js, is you choose when the server revalidates your data and uh, at certain intervals. And if it is out of date, um, it will rebuild in the background via serverless functions. And then for the next visitor, it will show it up to date. So that's like good for kind of data that it's great if it's up to date, but it doesn't matter if some people see it, if it's out of date. And then you've got distributed persistent rendering, which, so if you want the Jamstack to scale, you... Um, you might have thousands and thousands and thousands of pages, right? From your CMS, your e-commerce site or whatever. Now, we know that with the Jamstack, uh, a site to go live and be deployed needs to be pre-built and pre-rendered, right? But thousands and thousands of pages could take hours to build. And if you want to continuously deploy and be agile and move fast and break stuff, you can't have every single build taking hours and hours and hours. So distributed percentage rendering what it does, it lets you choose what pages are pre-rendered and then doesn't pre-render the other ones. So you could pre-render like your top 20 pages or whatever at build time. But then when someone goes to visit a page that hasn't been pre-rendered, it gets pre-rendered at um, request time and then cached at the edge for future requests. So we've moved away from like building static pages and static data on the Jamstack blanket to a flexible model where you can choose when your page is rendered, uh, depending on the type of data that you're serving to your visitors and how up to date it needs to be. It sounds really weird, but this is my favorite part of the Jamstack. So it obviously, right? Because like, that's a lot. And like when you when you actually said like, my, my favorite part is the, the rendering modes. Like, okay, all right. But no, to totally. And like, here, here's my absolute favorite bit of, of that entire of that entire conversation, right? You don't have to understand any of what Salma just said, if you're listening, <laughs> right? Because you can start and you can, like, so we talked about like the accessibility of the Jamstack earlier. Um, you can start and you can just upload an HTML file and your Jamstack. But then you can bring on something like a Next.js or an Eleven D or, or a Gatsby or what have you. And then you're doing a different kind of Jamstack. And then you can bring in, like you said, the uh, incremental static regeneration, ISR, because mm -hmm. we love acronyms. Mm -hmm. And that uses SWR, another acronym, and then you've got DPR. But you can learn those things slowly as you go. And like you said before, you can build stuff and put it live and have no understanding of any of that and then come back and get a little bit of performance boost or a little bit of build boost or these little things and you can go. When you need it, you know, when it's appropriate, when your site needs to scale, when you've now got a CMS, when you've got different types of data, when you convert to use this database or something like that. 
And it's so flexible. It's not just static sites. It's it's a whole ecosystem that is so far removed from the monolithic way we used to do things with just everything everything from the server at request time done. Or, you know, everything from the CDN at request time static done. It's like there's these combinations of those, but then some more clever stuff that makes your workflow more efficient. That means that you don't need to worry about these things. And it's just like, whoever thought of these things, I wish I'd thought of those things. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> I'd feel pretty accomplished. Oh, yeah. And I mean, we'd be having a completely different conversation now if either of us were, were there. But, but, but in all seriousness, right? Like, the fact that I built my son's art website and it has a like button, I have no clue. Like, I've been doing this a long time. I have no clue how 10 years ago I would have done that mm -hmm. because I would have had to stand up a server. I would have mm -hmm. had to learn PHP or Python or a server-side scripting language. I would have had to do all these things. I would have had to do the JavaScript on the fly on the front end. I wouldn't have done it. Just pure and simple, I would not have done it. And literally, it was two hours of work, two serverless functions, and a little client-side JavaScript, and I was done. Do you remember back in the day when front-end development involved like HTTPD comp files and things like that? And I had no idea what that meant. Server configuration, get out of my life. I just want to build some front ends with JavaScript. I don't care about that stuff. It's in my way. And the amount of, I, I used to work on the LAMP stack when I was first starting because I, I was doing PHP at work. And so like to set up a whole PHP server on your, on your local machine with PHP my admin and blah, blah, blah. Like I'm not hating on PHP. It's great. But as a front-end developer, you don't want to deal with that because that's not what you are an expert in. That's not what you want to do. That's not what makes you happy. It's, you know, it doesn't make me happy like the four different types of rendering on the Jamstack <laughs> makes me happy. Well, and and I mean, you get further into that and you have to think about the DevOps. And like, I, I pride myself on being able to find all the edge cases and break everyone's DevOps. That's something that I'm incredibly good at. Um, and it comes from like, I learned about Vagrant and, you know, oh, uh, virtual yes. machines on my laptop. And I, I haven't installed a Vagrant or a virtual machine on my laptop in six years now. And it is so refreshing. <laughs> Same. Yes. I remember that. I used to do, that was all I did at work on these big monolith systems, enterprise systems. I wonder how far those systems are away from that now, but I wonder if they're still the same, but it's just, there's always, pay, and there's big pain points between Windows and Mac mm -hmm. as well. Um, and the Jamstack doesn't really have that because you're just running some node in a terminal, right? To, to develop locally. And then you're just sending it to the CDN. It's just well, so and even enabling. beyond that, like like between Linux that you might have your server and Ma the Mac flavored versions, then then you've got like title case sensitivity and oh, like files. Yes, yes. Like no, no, don't make me think <laughs> about that, please. Let's pivot a little bit. You have a music history, mm -hmm. and so I'm I'm very excited now that I've learned that for the next question, uh, which is what is your actual musical jam right now? What's your favorite musician or album or what's playing on a day-to-day -day basis for you? So I think whenever you ask a musician this question, they will always say uh, the classic developer line, it depends. Uh, it I always depends. I have... I, I like such a varied bag of music because I used to listen to such a varied bag of music when I was learning music and writing music. Um, 
I like music from progressive metal to EDM to jazz to folk to weird sounds. Um, a solid favorite band that I will always reach for is Architects, which is a British metalcore band. And uh, me and my husband, I actually met my husband when I joined his band. So we've got like a lot of music nice. in common. It was a progressive metal band. Long story, long time ago. Um, but the song I have on repeat right now is more on the EDM side. It's called, probably no one's ever heard of this. It's called Move On by Grant. And I love it, right? Because another weird nerdy thing, this is a music nerdy thing now. You know how in often in pop songs, you'll hear double tracked guitars, like panned left and right. This song, for the first time in my life, I have heard double-tracked bass guitars, and they're playing slightly different things. One minute 47 into the song is a feast for your ears. It's amazing to listen to, and I can't stop listening to it because of this double bass track thing. Move on by Grant if you want to hear some nerdy stuff musically. <laughs> Now, now, for that, you probably need stereo headphones, right? Yes. To actually get the benefit of that. Yes. Uh, wow. Okay. That's, <laughs> I, I am not disappointed by that answer in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> Learned a lot. I didn't even know that was a thing. Double tracked anything. So, uh huh. Uh huh. Well, excellent yeah, it's, nerding it's, on that. Yeah. Great nerding. Love it. <laughs> All right. So, before we go, uh, is there anything that you would like to promote out into the Jamstack ecosystem? Anything you're doing, contentful, anything? So uh, on my Twitch streams, I stream twice a week currently. I uh, always build on the Jamstack. And one of the most challenging projects I'm building is something called Unbreak.tech, hmm. where and sometimes it's weird to bring these stuff, these Sometimes it's weird to bring these things up in these kinds of podcasts, but as a woman in tech on the internet, it's very difficult, full stop, to be alive. Um, and sometimes it generally falls on the women and the marginalized people to talk about the issues that we face. However, Unbreak.tech offers a platform for men to talk to other men about being a better person and treating women and marginalized people better. So um, I've been working on that on my stream. I am welcoming contributions from men who want to talk on the matter. And um, we'll see how it goes. It's a, it's a complete experiment. I, I have no idea. You know, again, I'm using the Jamstack to experiment and see how it goes. So it's all good. It's, it's, it's hosted on Netlify using like Netlify forms. It's built with Next.js. And um, I work on that every now and then and, and see where it goes. You can now submit videos as well as mm. articles to the site. Uh, and they have caption. Uh, I've got captions and all sorts of accessibility stuff going on. So um, that's the thing. Uh, catch me on Twitch, twitch.tv slash white P4 and 3R. One of the hardest uh, screen names in the business. Um. <laughs> yeah, I regret it. Holy. Anyway, definitely check out, un, uh, what was it, unbreaktech.it? Un, unbreak.tech. Unbreak.tech because I have heard way too many stories and everyone should know the stories. And again, the women and the marginalized people have had to tell them enough. So men, let's step up and do a little bit more around that. Appreciate that. Selma, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. And I hope you keep doing amazing things, especially with Unbreak.tech uh, and Contentful and everything in the Jamstack. Uh, and we hope to see some really cool stuff in the future. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to our guest, and thanks to everyone out there listening to each new episode. 
If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to leave a review, rating, star heart, favorite, whatever it is in your podcast app of choice. Until next time, keep doing amazing things on the web. And remember, keep things jammy.